If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today on Horse Chats, we're talking to Brendan Bergen again. Now, you'll know that Brendan's a regular guest over from Dublin, got lovely Irish accent, and um, we're going to talk to him today about his observations of um, the reasons the rider needs to be an athlete or reasons the rider needs to be an athlete. And I'm sure that as a rider, if you've been talking to general sports people or general people or sometimes even the media, they have this bit of an impression that the, the horse does all the work and the rider just sits there. So I think that Brendan's going to talk to us today about why the rider needs to be an athlete and, you know, things about how it's going to affect the horse's performance as well. But before we get started on that, I'd just like to remind you about the vision of International Horse College. And if you've got the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at the website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Now, Brendan, are you there today? I am, I'm here. Yeah, very good. Brendan, it's been a little while since we've chatted to you. Anything news? Are you starting to open up again? Yeah, we've been we've been closed for 12 weeks, which mm-hmm. has been a bit of a blessing and, and a curse. It's yeah. bad from a financial point of view, but it, it's great in that I'm getting lots of, doing lots of riding with my horses. And, you know, with, with new technology, I, I've been getting a lot of help from a friend of mine in England using Zoom. Yes. So um, set a, we can set a camera up in the corner and... Um, then I have her on on the phone and um, using Zoom, and it means I've been able to get a lot of help, which is which has been great. With one of my horses, I've been having a bit of sort of just mental block with, and she's just opened it up. So I've had about eight sessions with her, and it's just opened everything up, and we're now sort of uh, ready to go eventing if there was only a few events to go to. <laughs> um, but you know, when there are, I'll, I'll hopefully be well trained and be ready to you know go and have have a really good experience and and progress the training on a bit yeah yeah it isn't technology good you know you think about i can remember you know being like even just going over on a first one over to train as an ai you know and you've got to travel all the way across to the other side of the world to get some training in that vhs system whereas now you know just zoom zoom is easy technology is wonderful when it's working well I can um, tell you, I've sworn yeah, well, once or twice. Is, yeah, yeah. Zoom is great, but like a few times, it, it cut it cut out at just the critical moment when things are going so well. <laughs> I wanted to sort of show it off. Yeah, and then, ding ding, your your Zoom session has spontaneously combusted. But anyway, yeah. look, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's great to be able to get the help, and and technology has just made the made the world an easier place to work in. You know. Yes. Yes. Now the rider needing to be an athlete. You know, we, we know as riders that the rider needs to be an athlete. But why did you choose this subject? Has there been, you know, an incident or several or conversations that have brought it up that you thought this is really important? I mean, I think it's really important. And I've got to say, Brendan, you have quite a few different things that we talk about and they are all really important and good variety and lots of depth when you do go into it. So, yes, if you can tell us why you've chosen that subject. Well, I suppose one of the biggest things I find coaching 
yep. is that, you know, we all say that we understand how we need to be athletes, but on the whole, except for elite riders, it's not really borne out. You know, people like they don't put the focus into their fitness. And I suppose the way I think about it is that, you know, there's we put so much thought and so much work into developing the horse. And then sometimes you have people who are really not very fit sitting on their horse, getting annoyed at their horse for not performing when actually they're the reason because the horse isn't actually able to move properly because they're in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best examples I can think of is the likes of um, when people start working horses into half pass or traver and they fall to the outside, which mm-hmm. blocks the horse from staying upright. Yep. And it happens a lot because, uh, when you start getting up to that level because you know, when people usually get to sort of their advanced mediums or advanced level, they're usually that little bit older. Um, so they have the money, but not the time. So they don't have so they don't put the time into the fitness. And, and it, it means that if you look at like the results when you go up above medium level, the, the percentages plummet. And I think that's one of the major things. Obviously, the movements are technical and more complicated, but I think it's much more to do with the fact that people aren't able to produce the movement because they're not fit. Mm-hmm. And that's the rider biomechanics affecting the horse's performance? Absolutely. And like, there's a huge body of research now. There's a guy in England called um, Russell Geyer. Um, I'm not sure if you've had him on, um, but he's he's a really interesting guy and he specialises in um, how the rider interacts with the horse. He's, he's done a PhD in it. And I think his specific area of expertise is interaction between from the rider to the saddle to the horse. And um, he's just brilliant. I remember seeing him he, he, when he was sort of starting out years ago, about maybe five or six years ago. And he was over here doing um, research and putting little white discs on the horses. And I think we have to really bind the research and learn from it because I think there's certainly in, in Ireland and England there's a bit of a you know the scientists um are doing all very well but sure we'll just do it they've always done and I think that's a really dangerous precedent. Yeah. Okay we need to improve we need to be an athlete. We need to increase our fitness but how does that affect the mental aptitude if we can increase our fitness? Mm. Okay. So over the course of lockdown because um, I've had more time for the first time in, <laughs> in about six years since we yes. bought the yard. Yep. Um, I've started training towards um, a marathon. That's my goal. I'm going to do a marathon in August again, if one uh, presents itself. So I'm up to about 26K at this stage. And um, my wife's been running marathons and ultras for quite some time. And I remember coming back from runs and saying how, you know, like she's, you're just brain dead. Um, and it's a little bit, like what sometimes happens sort of in the sort of last quarter of the cross country your brain starts sort of shutting down due to just exhaustion so the fitter you are the more chance you have of of being able to make good choices um on course now obviously i'm specifically looking at eventing because that's where my focus is and the same thing happens in dressage tests it's the longest six or seven minutes of your life and show jumping rounds, you know, the longest 90 seconds of your life. And that the more you put your body under pressure in training away from the horse, the more able you are then to 
apply good thinking when you um when you when you're actually in competition and um, what runners often say is on run math never works so you'll be running along and I, i've ex- actually experienced this and you'll be there going yes i've only got 5k left and you've gone and done a calculation in your head your calculation has been wrong <laughs> because your brain is just so tired so i suppose I just think that's something that will map over into my competition experience. So I'm really looking forward to getting back and eventing and seeing with my new found increased fitness whether my mental processes work better and I, if I make better choices. Yes, yes. Okay, and with this increased fitness, that your balance has got to be better, haven't it? You've got to be able to have control of your own balance. That's got to help you as well. Yeah, so um, I think a, a few interesting things about balance and, and coordination and stuff like that. Um, if you look at, when I, I worked in a previous job, we used to get a lot of people who, you know, wanted to be extras on films. They were actors and they wanted to improve their sort of CV by learning to ride a horse so they can like do battle scenes on medieval dramas and so on. And these guys generally would be, you know, a very fit strong rugby player type of person um but what was interesting was that their core strength and their muscular bulk for the for want of a better word um didn't transfer over onto the horse you know their the balance is totally different because it's so dynamic and i think that fitness can help you control that balance so my fitness program is very horse orientated so running is one thing i do and i think running is absolutely brilliant for rider balance and core strength and coordination as long as you couple it with stretching because otherwise you just become very stiff and tight the other thing i do is i do um gymnastic rings because you can then um you have you're again then working with dynamic balance and then i do things with standing on and i have this sort of swing and i stand on it to try and emulate the balance of strips and i do squats on that so I suppose the whole thing is to be thinking about how different riding is from other fitness activities. So you've got to sort of be quite creative in developing that balance, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, as your fitness improves, your balance improves, you've got control of your own balance. That's got to be increased clarity of the aids. So the horse is yeah. a bit more like a yeah. bit, yeah. yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so... Yeah. When we think of when you when you think about um, when you think about training horses and you think about um, how we produce the responses we want, I think we can be very forgetful that you know when we if we sit to the left, it draws the horse to the left, and I think the more um, aw- the more aware you are of your own straightness, fitness, balance, and so on the better you are able to um, apply signals in a coordinated way. So if you think of um, when you, again, I, I always come back to the likes of Traver and Halfpass because it's, it's what makes people the most crooked. And you have to have that idea that you're sitting centrally and you're bending your uh, outside knee to push the horse over. When you start off doing half-ass, what you do is you 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 sort of lean towards that leg that you're, if you like, kicking the horse over with. And I think the more you can develop that that core stability and that balance, 
the better you're going to apply a signal to the horse rather than shoving, shoving and poking and prodding them over. And I think that's so that's what I'm sort of getting at with it. Yeah, yeah. Because you said earlier about staying out of the horse's way. Is this to do with staying out of the horse's way? You know, the horse wants to do half-pass right. You've got to be ready to step into that half-pass right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Like, I suppose on, on previous chats I've talked about the right responsibilities and I suppose um, so that, you know, it's look and plan, speed, mm-hmm. direction and balance. And what I what I always think of when I talk about balance, when I'm talking to the kids and when I talk to anyone about balance is, what balance means in terms of riding is that when the horse goes to move in the right direction, you shouldn't block them. I think a better example nearly than half pass with, with the with the balance stay out the horse way is jumping. Um, I'm a firm believer that when you jump, the horse should always have full release on the rein as soon as they come off the ground. Um, so they can stretch their neck and have that feeling of freedom. They can really push their neck through. Because once they can push their neck through, they can really let their sh- their shoulder blades pull up and bascule over, and then and then kick out behind as they come over the fence. Whereas a lot of the time, people catch the horse over the fence, especially if they're there going, "Will you go? Won't you go?" And I think it's just really important that we're very aware that you know the horse is carrying about ten percent of their body weight, and um, in in some ways, a very disadvantageous place that pushes the weight over the horse's withers. And I think you have to be very careful with your balance um, jumping that you don't load the withers until the horse actually comes off the ground. And you see it a lot with young horses that you're coming into the fence, the rider is trying to be soft and comes over the withers and then the horse loses their bottle and drops the front legs instead of lifting them off the ground because there's extra weight just falling forward. Because when you think of your upper body, um, I suppose there's, for me, I'm 75 kilos. So there's probably close to 35 kilos tipping forward when the horse is leaving the ground. That's a lot of weight to be levering onto the hind legs. Yeah, so I'm just imaging and, and picturing that as, as you go. Yeah, you explain it pretty well. <laughs> Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book imagine maybe one day you could be a guest on horse chats the fitness though you know the cardiovascular fitness how's that going to help us help the horse yeah so i suppose again i think of again i teach a lot of sort of as well as teaching kids i teach quite a lot of sort of middle-aged people yes and lots of them are are a very sedentary um back and um, so, you know, 
as they fatigue, as the session goes on, um, sometimes, ironically, their riding improves, but majority of the time, it, it makes them impede the horse more and more. And, you know, obviously that has a, a poor effect. Like, um, I again, through other chats, we've talked about how practice makes permanent. And what, what I'm always very acutely aware of is I don't want to compromise the horse's movement through rider inability or um, lack of fitness. The whole thing is you want your horse to always move as optimally as possible with minimum restriction. I think if you're cardiovascularly fit, it, it helps you to have the room to think about that. Again, it comes sort of back to the mental aptitude idea. Um, the fitter you are, the more space there is in your brain to um, to really work the horse well. It's like it's when you think about it when you're tired and driving, as lots of coaches are, they get very you're tired driving after long days teaching, and you're not as aware of the road as you should be. It's that idea of um, you're driving home and you're so in autopilot that you actually forget the last five minutes and you're there going, Geez, I can hope I, I hope I, nothing happened during that time because <laughs> I could have checked out. And I think that happens when you get uh, fatigued riding is you, you sort of check out and you're not checking into your rider responsibilities, not checking to make sure the horse does their job. And in cardiovascular fitness, it's a really key thing for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talked earlier on about, you know, the riders coming in that had the type of strength that you would think would be a good rider, but they didn't have the core strength they needed. Tell us a little bit about the core strength that the rider needs to be an athlete. Okay. I think I think core strength is sort of the buzzword of, of the age. And I think, yes, core strength is super important, but it's it's a very specific niche kind of thing. And and I think um one of the best ways I've heard described is um if I some of your listeners have probably heard of a guy called Mark Rashid. Um, he's um, he's sort of natural horsemanship, but what what he what he one of the big things he talks about is Aikido, which is a, a Japanese uh, martial art, which I actually practice when we're not locked in, and it's all about powerful softness. And when I think of core strength with horses, it's like core strength with running. If you go and run. And you hold your core muscles really tight, you run really efficiently. But equally, if you run and you're, if you let your core muscles be too loose, you run really efficiently. There's a balance in between that allows you to move your hips in the optimal pattern. And it's when you think of how riders move on the horse. In walk, the movement pattern of the hips is nearly exactly the same to the movement pattern of walking on foot. And in sitting trot, the movement pattern is exactly the same as running. So if you're running at the same rate that your horse's hind legs would track the medium trot, you're actually able to then train your uh, your sitting trot um, off the horse. And I suppose I'm always trying to think in my head, because I have obviously lots of once a week riders of little things that people can do in their daily life that can help map over to their riding. Now, I get to ride every day, but I'm always still thinking of things for me to try and map over 
to improve my riding and my core strength in particular. Now, on top of that core strength that you might get from running, I think you need to do like stability exercises. So I think Pilates is a really amazing thing for riders to do. And there's loads of rider-specific Pilates, certainly in Ireland and the UK. I presume it's the same in Australia, um, where you can train working specifically towards equine goals rather than just yep. generic Pilates. Yeah. The whole awareness, you know, perception, awareness of the position, movement of the body. Tell us a little bit about the proprioception. Okay. So, um Proprioception is the word that I came across recently. I thought, you know what, that's a really cool word. And <laughs> it, it, it sort of takes in a lot of things. So when, when you think the idea of proprioception is that your body receiving really good autonomic feedback. So um, I've been researching lately um, being a barefoot, like a barefoot person myself, like as in to like ditch the shoes or get shoes that are more geared towards barefoot mm -hmm. with the idea that you get more feedback from the ground. Um, and I think that riders have to make sure they keep their awareness um, on key um, markers of the body. So the key markers of the body I always try to think of when I'm riding are I think of my feet, my knees, my hips and my shoulders. And all of those things should be parallel to the ground. And I think that you have to train your body to keep readjusting. So we all have horses, like I have a few horses that will sit me right or sit me left. Um, I think the big thing is to not let yourself buy into where the horse is sitting you and to make sure that you're always readjusting yourself to be as straight as possible. And I think straightness is one of those relative things in that, you know, people will often say, oh, you sit straight. But the horse's back, say again, for example, when you're doing a shoulder in, if the horse is unlevel under you in the shoulder, as they often are when they start learning shoulder in, you kind of have to help straighten them. But part of that is that you actually have to tilt with them and then move them back level. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. You, you've you got a really good way of explaining things, you know, and I'm just, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking, yep, right, yep, okay, I can understand that. Yes, yeah. it does make sense. So yeah. so it's like in, in, in the old school of thinking, when, when you want your, your horse to walk and you have to use your hip to bring them from trot to walk, what you have to think of is you've got to slow the trot and then have the hips match the movement of the walk to get the horse to walk. What you don't do is stop your hip, which is what lots of people do. Like they'll go, they'll be trying to go from trot to walk and they will just pump down on the horse's back. And what you have to do is you've got to be meshing and connecting. I suppose that's the big thing I think of when I'm thinking of proprioception. At the moment, I'm sort of playing with an invisible ball in my hands with the idea of proprioception. I have that sort of, that's what it is. It's that connection mm -hmm. um, with the way the horse is moving. And I think it's just a really interesting thing to think about training into people. I think especially at the lower level, it's very easy to get just involved in um, the meat and potatoes, you know, uh, heels down, sit straight and stuff. And I think, What's much more important is getting people connected. There's a, a lady in England called Heather Moffat. She sort of pioneered the use of equine simulators. 
and developed her own equine simulators to train people how to move with horses better. And I found it very interesting. And, and I, I just think it's, you know, it's something that we have to rethink about is to train people how to receive the feedback from the horse's movement and help micro adjust. And um, I always think that it's really much more beneficial to make a small change that you can maintain rather than a big flashy change. And that's, that's what proprioception is all about, is making small adjustments that can stick rather than big adjustments that don't. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it goes back to the just the clarity of the aids, you know, making it small, but enough that the horse is going to respond and understand. Absolutely, yeah. What about flexibility? Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I suppose I should really have seen the list of how flexibility and core strength side by side because okay. um, important flexibility and core strength are, are like two sides of the same coin. Um, I have really tight hip flexors, so I spend my whole life stretching my hip flexors. So your hip flexors are, attach onto the top of your sort of femur and then onto your lower back. So your hip flexors, if they're tight, is actually really detrimental to riding horses because if they're tight, your hips don't move properly. And equally, if they're not strong enough, um, it means that you're very soft and floppy in your in your balance because your, your hip flexors are like your sort of gearbox. So um, if I don't keep on top of my hip flexors, what I find is I can't do sitting trot properly at all. And I think that riders, have to, you have to be aware of the unnatural position that riding horses puts your hip in. So if you think of the um, that your hip shape as an upside down L, what we're actually asking that that upside down L to do is to pull straight out to the side. And even if you're if you're holding your upside down L's with your thumb and first finger and start twisting them out, you can feel the tension come into your wrists. And I suppose you have to we have to be working all the time to try and release those the muscles around your hip joint to allow you to sit down at the horse and i think that's why you'll see that lots of people who've ridden all their lives do one of two things they either have to get hip replacements or they walk sort of half bent forward all the time i think that's due to the wear and tear around those the, the hip joints usually i think due to lack of flexibility and i think that it's something that um I was working with a uh, personal trainer before lockdown and one of the big things she says all the time is that what's much more important than actually doing the, you know, uh, resistance work is developing the flexibility and doing the warm up to make sure that you're using your full range of motion. And there's loads of videos um, on the on Facebook at the moment with people trying to sell fitness programs. And the big the big buzz thing at the moment, on, on certainly on my feed, is calisthenics, which is body weight exercises. And I've watched a few of the videos, and the really good um, guys are always talking about the stretching afterwards and the full range of motion. I think that's something that we as riders have to make sure is that we move our own bodies in that full range of motion so that the horse will be able to move in their full range of motion flexibly underneath us and I, I suppose as well I think of I think of the horses and like I stretch all my horses because horses a lot of the time are mirrors of our inflexibility so shockingly most of my horses 
have tight iliosos muscles because I have a tight iliosos muscle. So I have to stretch me and stretch them. Okay. So this warm-up that you're talking about, that's a pre-ride, I assume. Tell us a little bit about that. What sort of exercises, what should we be doing okay. in that warm-up? So first of all, full disclosure, I'll be really honest. <laughs> I suppose I only actually do a pre-ride warm-up about 50% of the time. It's not something that's automatic or autonomic to me at all. Um, so when I remember to do it, I do what's called a swing warm-up. So um, involves sort of swinging your, your leg forward and back and then swinging, bringing your knee up and then swinging your leg back and then swinging and sort of kicking yourself in the bum and then circling your hips, circling your knees, circling your ankles and then swinging your arms. It's quite simple. It takes it takes about five minutes. The problem is, you know, you kind of feel like you look like a bit of a wally in front of others when you're doing it because no one bothers in the equine world to warm themselves up. We we go to absolute great pains to, you know, and there's like so many different ideas about how you should stretch your horse at the start or get them upright or this, that and the other. But we pay very little attention to actually warming ourselves up so that we're not in the way. Like lots of people you hear them say, or you know, like again, I, I've a few people I'm teaching um now that we're we're back into work. Um, because I'm in their 20 kilometer limit and they get on the horse, their horse and, you know, they're riding to a decent level and they, they say, oh, I'm, awesome. I'm just so stiff when I get started. It takes me five, 10 minutes to warm up. And I'm thinking to myself that, you know, if you did like a little bit of a warm up, it would really help you and really help your horse. But we don't think like that. We just think about the horse. And I think that's, so it's, that's the whole purpose of this, this, um, 10 reasons the rider needs to be an athlete is we have to think of ourselves as an athlete. Now, unfortunately in riding, we're only the secondary athlete, but our fitness and athleticism has a really profound effect on the horse's way of going and whether the horse can actually reach their potential or not. Yeah. Brendan, you know, the extra information and the amount, um, you know, obviously coming from yourself who trains as an athlete as well as a rider, I shouldn't say it sort of quite like that, You, but, you know, you're aligning your skills that you need to be a better rider and you're using exercises and things outside actually riding. You know, a lot of riders just say, well, by the time I ride 10 horses, I'm getting pretty fit, but you're saying, well, Let's just have a look at this from a little bit of a different perspective and let's include other things as well. Yeah, like what's really interesting is when you look at the elite riders, like if, I, if you look at the Irish eventing team, mm -hmm. they, do, um, they do lots of squad work where, where they, they come in and they do a few days of fitness camp work. So they, you know, they do Pilates, they do resistance stuff, they do all sorts of different things. And I think, I think it, again, I've said in so many of these chats is if you want to get better, you've got to look and see what are the top people doing and you've got to start emulating that. Like the likes of Sam Watson does a load of running. Do you know what I mean? Because that's that's what he needs to do to try and in, keep his performance yep. um, at top level. And I think it's especially important in like the likes of eventing or endurance riding because there's there's you know, like, you know, you go do your cross country and you could be you could be eight minutes there in a high octane, high heart rate state. And if you're not trained for it, 
like you're just not going to, you're just not going to perform as well on the day dressage wise you know you've got six minutes where you're you know usually stressed and and again high octane and you know you've got well not so much high octane but you're you're stressed to not forget the test and whatever and you just you have you have i just think you have to train for it and you know i i meet lots of riders and i say oh you know you thought about going running this like oh no i couldn't go running mm. yep. and yep. my question is always well why oh my knees are this that the other if you can ride you can <laughs> run yep and that's just my my take on it yep You've certainly given us more things to think about. I think, um, you know, if anyone's looking to improve their riding, these are 10 reasons why the rider does need to be an athlete and, um, you know, just extra depth of information and knowledge that you've given us. Yep, I think really good, Brendan. I think it just adds to your repertoire. You've certainly covered quite a few subjects with us and I think this is another one that's just, yep, let's just get get into this and it's another part of what we can do with our horse and and to improve our own performance and enjoyment you know it's not just all about improving performance it's about enjoyment too and I think if you can have the need to be an athlete which in turn is going to help your horse your horse is going to enjoy it you're going to enjoy it and it makes the whole thing more pleasurable so thank you again for coming on thanks for your time so wonderful to talk to you again thanks let's talk to you soon okay bye-bye If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.